The TV show Undercover Boss is a reality TV series about CEOs and senior executives of businesses who disguise themselves as regular employees to investigate how their businesses truly operate and to determine what might need to be improved. In 2012, CBS aired an episode that featured CEO Mitchell Modell of Modell Sporting Goods, who disguised himself as a sales associate in training named Joey. Upon working in one of his department stores there in New York, he meets a hardworking sales associate named Angel. On a break, Modell asks Angel questions about herself, and she shares that she has three children and has been living in a homeless shelter for the last two years. But She explains to him that she doesn't feel terrible about this because they have been in far worse situations, having to sleep at bus stops and any other place that she could find where they could be safe. In this conversation, Modell and Angel have, Modell is moved to tears, and once Angel is off camera. He speaks to the cameraman and he says, I've never experienced a moment like this. It literally broke my heart. Well, the episode always ends with the CEO or the senior executive who meets with those individual employees and oftentimes will give them some good news, only for them to realize that the person that they had been with this entire time was not who they thought they were. And so this happens at the end of this particular episode, and Modell calls in Angel to meet with him. And when she does, she says, wait a minute, you're, you're not Joey, or you're Joey. And, and he says, no, I'm not Joey, I'm Mitchell Modell, the owner of this company. She's obviously surprised, but that's only the beginning of her uh, amazement, because there Modell gives her good news that because of her hard work and, and what she has done for his company, he is going to promote her to assistant manager and give her a raise of $14,000 a year. In disbelief, she begins to cry and she begins to thank him so much for uh, caring for her and, and giving her this opportunity. But Modell doesn't stop there. He then tells her that he has written a check for her for $250,000 to help her buy a home for her and her three children. Once again, Angel is moved to tears, falling to the floor, crying, thanking him and God. You see, Modell's compassion leads him to go beyond the call of duty to help an employee who is in desperate need. And so as we begin our new sermon series today on faith, we read from Matthew's gospel about another boss who shows compassion for his servant too. However, this particular boss is not undercover, for he approaches Jesus just as he is, as a centurion soldier. Matthew tells us this, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, Shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. Now this is a rather odd interaction. You see, this centurion soldier is not Jewish. He is a Gentile who's more than likely a part of the Roman military. And in the eyes of the Jewish people, he would not be considered a friend. Actually, he is an enemy. 
But this man is also a man of authority in charge of a legion of a hundred soldiers, so he's accustomed to giving orders to them. Yet this centurion doesn't order Jesus to help him, nor does he force him to come where his servant is. Instead, he comes in humility, seeking Jesus' help. Not only is it odd that he comes to Jesus, but it is also odd that he's even doing this to begin with. The servant is a slave, so why would he go to such great lengths to get him the help that he needs? He could just discard him and get another slave to help him do the work that's needed, but he doesn't do so. In fact, the word here for servant is not the usual word translated slave, which is doulos. It is the Greek word pais, which translated is son. So it appears that this servant is more than a slave to him. He's more like an adopted son to this centurion. He is someone that he actually cares about, even though he serves him. You see, this centurion is doing a radically different thing. In fact, he's doing two things that most people with his level of authority would never do. First, he's seeking help for his servant. And secondly, he is setting aside his ego to approach a Jewish peasant for help. And I say putting his ego aside because he knows that the Jews view him as unclean. And while their religion might grant him the ability to be in the outer temple courts in Jerusalem, he could never go into the temple itself. And he also knows that Jesus is forbidden to enter into his house, for if he does, Jesus would be considered unclean and would have to adhere to the Jewish law regarding ritual purity. So when Jesus responds that he can go and heal him, the centurion responds that he's unworthy to have him come under his roof. You see, this man believes that Jesus has the authority to heal his servant exhibiting great faith to begin with. But what makes this even more extraordinary is that he believes that Jesus can simply speak and heal him from afar. For whatever reason, he believes that Jesus has even more authority than he does, which is why he's come to seek his help. Now, he could have taken his servant to see a doctor, but he doesn't. Instead, he comes to the one he believes has the power to restore his servant to health. Matthew says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go! Let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. Wow. Jesus' response is even more radical than that of the centurion. I mean, how could Jesus declare that he's not found anyone in Israel with such great faith? Salvation is for the Jews, not for the Gentiles, right? Why then would he declare that a Gentile... But not only a Gentile, a national enemy of the state of Israel has more faith than any Israelite. Now, Jesus wouldn't be a very good politician because he's not telling his people what they want to hear. And it appears to them that maybe he's selling out to the Roman oppressors and making them equally welcome into the kingdom promised to Israel. But is he? Jesus is not selling out. 
but he is radically turning things upside down. He doesn't just praise the centurion's faith. He also gives a stern warning to those who somehow think that their birthright is a ticket to the heavenly kingdom banquet. He's saying that this centurion is invited to the heavenly banquet too, and that many more Gentiles will be coming as well. He says many will come from the east. Do you remember uh, who came from the east in the beginning of Matthew's gospel after Jesus was born? It was the Magi from the east, the wise men, we call them, these pagan astrologers who came to worship Jesus while Herod and his religious teachers of the law stayed home. He says many will come from the west. The west here is being referred to Rome, to the Gentiles. You see, while Matthew is an extremely Jewish gospel, it begins with the inclusion of the Gentiles when the Magi from the east come to worship Jesus after his birth, and it ends with the declaration of Jesus in which we call the Great Commission to go into all the world or to all the nations. And the Greek word for nations here is the Gentiles. So here in the eighth chapter of Matthew's gospel, Jesus is including the Gentiles in the gift of salvation too. Jesus affirms the faith of someone considered incapable of having the right kind of faith needed by God. Jesus is the undercover boss who not only grants the healing of this man's servant, but who also welcomes this centurion into the kingdom of heaven. You see, the centurion came seeking healing, but he also received salvation and a big welcome from the Son of God who reminds us that he goes before us to prepare a place for us in his kingdom. So Jesus teaches us that salvation is not something to be possessed. It's not exclusive to those who can produce a birth certificate that shows that they were born an Israelite or even to those who simply profess faith in God but refuse to believe and live in obedience to him. I find that's the danger for all of us, isn't it? To somehow think that there are people who are incapable of receiving Christ's gift of salvation. I mean, we're not called to determine who are the sheep and who are the goats in the kingdom of God. We're called to share the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone. And yet sometimes our outlook is all wrong. Focusing on those we think could never receive salvation, thinking that somehow they are destined to eternal damnation. The truth is, is that Jesus never warned the pagans or the Gentiles about hell. (laughs) He warned the believers, his own people who sought to possess salvation and dangle it over the heads of others like a carrot. You see, Jesus doesn't spend his ministry focusing on hell. He promotes the kingdom of heaven and welcomes everyone to receive it. And he shares the good news of God's grace embodied and displayed in his own life as he challenges the status quo and welcomes the stranger, even offering to heal those who are considered to be against Israel. You see, the Apostle Paul also declares this in Galatians chapter 3, verses 7-9, through 9, saying, Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. 
The centurion believed in the power of Jesus to heal, even more so than those who watched Jesus do it. He didn't exercise his own authority. He approached Jesus with humility and exercised his faith. And Jesus commends him because he didn't anticipate that a Gentile soldier would respond the way that he did. He didn't expect him to come and to ask for him to help his servant, much less to believe that he could heal him without even touching him or being present with him and speaking directly to him. So Jesus is surprised and responds with the truth that this man is also a son of Abraham by faith. You see, great faith is not about being able to get God to do what we want him to do. It's, it's about acknowledging that there are no boundaries that God cannot break down or cross. A great faith acknowledges that God can save anyone God wants to, that grace isn't limited in scope or to whom we think deserves it. A great faith is one that comes to Jesus, the good news, with humility and compassion seeking help for the afflicted, for both friends and even enemies. And a great faith understands that Jesus has the authority and the power to heal and to save. The centurion exhibited this great faith, and I believe that Jesus wants us to as well. You see, it broke Mitchell Modell's heart that he had an employee that was homeless with three children to care for. And so he crossed the barriers of being the owner of the business in order to provide compassion and care to his lowly employee. And it broke the centurion's heart that his servant was paralyzed and suffering. So he crossed the barriers and came to Jesus seeking his help. And it breaks Jesus' heart when we put up barriers for the faith of others, which is why he reminds us today that he crosses those barriers because the good news is for everyone for Jew and for Gentile, for slave and for free, for male and female, for rich and poor, for friends and enemies, and even for the righteous and the unrighteous. No matter what barrier to faith we may think exists, Jesus breaks them down and looks at our faith. So today, friends, I encourage you and I invite you to exhibit a great faith that trusts in and welcomes God's grace to bring healing and to offer salvation, not just to those whom we like or who are like us, but to anyone who is considered to be too far beyond the boundaries of salvation. Friends, may we do so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.